It's August 29th, and this is Cockatrice Nuggets, take two. I'm Rich. Well, apparently my last podcast had a, um, had a, some sound issues. I think it has something to do with some setting I have on my phone. Uh, next time I go for a walk, I'll test it out and see if I can do that. Um, but anyway, here's pretty much what I said. So, uh, we played Friday. Very exciting game. Very happy with it. Um, players were very happy with it. Uh, it's the first time that I went in and I was unprepared, right? So this is, uh, I mean, unprepared is kind of a vague word. The way I'm using it's a little different. I I went in assuming that they were going to do something. So instead of doing my normal, hey, here's some adventures, which I'm trying to, you know, tend away from and pouring more into rumors and stuff like that, um, they heard a rumor, and they've been meaning to follow up for it on the last two sessions. They've mentioned it's been interesting. So I prepped for this uh, looking for the Cobalt Queen, the missing Cobalt Queen. Had a decent adventure planned, decent outline planned, right? Didn't plan the adventure. Um, Didn't make a dungeon, but had a dungeon in my head. Uh, Probably do a donjon random one or pull out a one-page dungeon, something like that. Uh, Anyway... They get to the table, and this is not what they decide to do. They have an epiphany on their map, and uh, they start comparing it to the world map. And uh, they figure out where it is. And I had mentioned before that the Blood Vaults is near there, and they thought it was a map to the Blood Vaults. Um, So this time I kind of said, I think the thing that sparked them was, I said, oh no, anything that's on that map, you know is on that map. So uh, they kind of realized that the Blood Vaults was marked somewhere else on the map and the X was going to someplace else. So uh, I uh, had read a short free module from Troll Lord Games. Um, it was called uh, Somebody's, Somebody's Something. Somebody's Sentry. Sentry. Palanthers Sentry, maybe? Anyways, you can get it on Troll Lord Games. Um, I believe I threw it up on my blog, which is slackernerds.com, in case nobody knows. Um, I think I added that into some place on Anchor, too. Uh, so it, it should be easy to find. And I'll be posting all my show notes there if I have show notes. And I'll probably... Anyway, all right. So, um, this dungeon is a small... It's a, uh, I think it was 11 or 12 room dungeon. Um, it had four or five encounters in it. Uh, mostly spiders and two driders at the end. So I wasn't prepared for them to go to this yet. I thought they would just keep forgetting about it, putting it off, finding other things to do, until finally they were like, hey, nothing else is working out for us. Let's go for this map. So this adventure is for maybe not the next tier up, but definitely not for four level three characters, uh, which was what they were going in with. My party was a little small, and by small, I mean regular size, right? Because I normally have seven to eight players, sometimes nine. I've had nine at my table. I think if everybody shows up, I have nine. So I had uh, only four players. Uh, one was actually a substitute, uh, who I, I assume is going to start coming regularly now. Um, I don't know. Um, and uh, they were heading off to a dungeon whose bosses were two CR5 creatures. So that is a slaughter fest. Um, 
I used some new travel rules I designed. Uh, the way it works is uh, when you set out for a travel, um, you get a DC based on the train you're going to. Um, this is all being playtested in my session, right? My, my players are good with it. Um, they like trying new things. They like experimenting. So I threw this out. I wasn't ready to throw this out either. Um, but they were traveling, so I was like, I don't want this to be anticlimactic. I don't want a hand wave traveling, so we're going to try this. So I explained it to them. It's a skill challenge. If you don't know what that is, that's something from 4th edition that I really kind of have a vague grasp on. Um, it, it sounds like it was vague in 4th edition anyway, uh, but basically, um, from what I've gathered, what it is, is uh, we go around the table, right? I set a DC. Um, I tell the players how many successes they need and how many failures they can get before we call it off. So um, the base, from what I understand in 4th E, was um, eight successes, three failures. So that's kind of where I'm starting off. I set a DC at 20 because that was what I wrote on the chart. I had uh, civilized, um, wild borderlands, and wildlands. I've since expanded it a little bit. So, um, let's see. Um, so I had set DC 20, and the way it works is we go around the table, and the player states a skill that they are proficient in and they are using, and how they're using it to further the travel. Um, so, um, you know, I use my survival skill to, you know, hunt for these berries I know that, uh, you know, give us energy and can make us travel a little bit faster, right? Not, not appreciably faster, but whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter, you know. Um, I, you know, hunt and we find a secret trail through the bushes and that makes us get there faster. Um, it's kind of a weird thing to, to start to use, right? Um, so I'm being really lax on it. So like, uh, someone said they use survival for gathering berries and I'm like, well, sure, whatever, you know? That's fine. Uh, I think I'm going to incorporate a uh, survival check in the beginning that is going to uh, affect rations, maybe. Um, or just say, you know, if someone's got survival, you take half rations. I think that might be a better better plan. Um, so anyway, so um, they roll, and they need to get eight successes for three failures. And uh, the question on the table was, well, if we get three failures, does that mean that we fail to travel? And I said, no, that means that there's three complications, right? So I have a table that you roll on for each failure. Um, off the top of my head, because I'm driving and I can't read it, I believe it was um, lose equipment. So it's uh, two pieces per level of equipment. Uh, two, no, two pieces per player equipment, all right? Just for a total of, not each player loses two. Um, Lose hit dice, uh, half your level of hit dice. Um, one level of exhaustion. Uh, have an encounter. Um, lose abilities. Uh, so I think it was, uh, again, half your level in abilities. I might change that to maybe a third of your level. Um, we're gonna see how it works. I think spells are more plentiful, so two spells count for one ability. Um, two spell slots, right, count for uh, one ability, um, and some, like, a champion fighter doesn't even have daily use abilities, right, or short rest abilities, um, 
I think I modified it too. So if you're a full caster, um, two spell slots equal one ability. But you're a, if you're a half or a third caster, that's not how it works. Um, let's see, what else? Um, one more thing, I think, but I can't remember. Anyways, that's up on my blog as well. Um, I will put a link to my GM binder on my blog too. I need to uh, play with Blogger a little bit and see if I can figure out how to uh, put links in the side easily and just keep adding to them. I think I could just use a, a blog roll kind of widget to link my stuff to. Anyway, um, so they rolled uh, two failures before they got eight successes. So I had them roll on the table twice. Uh, they lost 10 pieces of equipment which was easy because everybody's got these stupid equipment bags, right, that are full of crap. Um, so we lost some, like, candles and uh, incense or something like that. Uh, ridiculous stuff that they were never going to use. Um, an alms box, right? <laughs> the player said, what's an alms box? <laughs> Useless. Throw it away. Um, so uh, they got that and one level of exhaustion. So this made... Um, travel hard, right? This made travel affect the day that they arrive at the cave uh, or the, the sundry, right? The, um, the, the structure. Um, it's carved into the side of the hill, so they have to go up some steps. Um, it made the fights more difficult. Uh, the first fight was, um, I think it was eight spiders. It might have been, ten, no, it was eight spiders. Second fight was ten sturges, right? So these are overwhelming encounters, right? Uh, and nobody has AOE at this point, um, which is devastating them. Uh, so by the, uh, let's see, the third encounter was two encounters combined into one. It was uh, four giant spiders. Um, so by this time, they're feeling it, right? They find a secret passage and uh, decide that this is a good place to try and take a long rest. Um, so I'm fine with that. Uh, they set up a little bell trap, and uh, they hear it go off in the middle of the night. So I give them some time to hide. They they, they ask for time to hide. Um, I initially threw two driders in the room. I was like, oh, wait a minute. You heard the bell, so let's pull them back here. They said, does that mean we have time to hide? I said, yes, because, you know, I don't want two driders coming in and just slaughtering the party. Um, be a fan of your players, right? Uh, I said it on an earlier podcast. When you're, when you're designing your adventure or your encounter try and kill the players. When you're at the table, try to do everything you can to help them. So I, um, I, I allowed them to hide. It's a group check. Um, generally speaking, group checks go by without any, um, any hassle, uh, with, when most people have stealth. Um, they did, were dealing with exhaustion though, so it was at disadvantage. Um, but they still passed it. No problems. Uh, so the driders leave. Um, and then they decide what they're going to do. So they didn't take that long rest because they're, you know, they were in the middle of it. They had actually um, had to hunker down for like eight hours before they started their long rest because they had only been in there about an hour. So while they're deciding what to do, it's, it's, the table was split. Two wanted to go, two wanted to stay. Instead of flipping a coin or rolling a die or something like that, players began to try and convince each other. Two wanted to go, two wanted to stay. So, the, um, the 
conversation turned into an intense conversation. Um, the players that wanted to stay were passionate. They wanted that treasure, right? Because I'm using XP for gold. They wanted to figure out a way uh, that they could they could do it. They, they knew they could do it. They had faith they could do it. Um, the only parts I really contributed to this conversation was at the beginning I said well you can always do what Lucy said on Facebook and uh, everybody kind of said well what, what was that uh, you can always run <laughs> running is always an option is what she said so um, and the other thing I contributed to the conversation was if you fight these driders you will die there, were, there was no question in my mind if they faced them head-on they would die um, so the conversation ensued. Um, there was a decision to use someone's familiar. Uh, they decided they could take an hour and ten minutes, resummon the familiar as a spider, and go in there and sneak in. And they were relatively certain that, uh, you know, the driders wouldn't assume that that was, you know, a different spider or someone else's spider or whatever. Um, and I kind of ruled that, you know, that's that's very plausible. You know, you could at least uh, summon the same type of spider that you fought. You got a bunch of spider bodies, so right? Um, so anyway, the, um, the conversation ensued. The players got the idea of drawing the driders out. And then they realized, which I was very excited about because this is what I had thought, um, after I'd set up the situation to them, not when I read the module, strangely enough, uh, but when I set up the situation to them, um, they were going to try to get the driders on the bridge and cut the bridge. And this is great, right? I'm thinking, this is amazing. This is exactly what I thought I would do in this situation. And now it's what they're doing. Uh, but the problem is they're driders, right? They're big spider dudes. So they've got sticky legs. And in my previous encounter with um, the cliffside, they fought spiders. And I had ruled that... Um, if you're going to try and knock a spider down, they get advantage on a DC 15 athletics check, uh, which was what they were getting to grab on. So it was just as easy as they could when they were falling, except they got advantage because they're spiders, you know? Anyway, so I use that same rule for the driders. And they said, well, what if we oil the bridge? That's like, that's amazing. I'll take away advantage. No problem. So... Um, they get this all set up in their minds and their plan is to lead them out during the daylight uh, with the the um, trickster cleric's illusion. And they're kind of hemming and hawing about whether this illusion's going to work. So again, I contribute to the conversation. I say that you guys agree that most of the mostly the illusion will work, except it will not look like it's walking across the rope bridge, no matter how convincingly you move it, because the rope bridge will not move. So they decided, well, we'll just make them look like he flies. Brilliant. All right. So now the only hang-up is getting the driders outside during the day. I was in the midst of me trying to decide what I'm going to roll to decide if they do. Um, I've been using Die of Fate a lot, too, to see if something works. Just uh, just a 1D2, right? Uh, my friend actually brought 1D2s. I had no idea I was using this. But uh, I would roll a six-sider, right? High, low. Yes, no. So... Um, I was probably going to end up going towards Diophate, um, which I think is from DCC. Anyway, getting sidetracked again. Uh, I appreciate you guys uh, sending through all my nonsense. So 
they decide. Wait, if we take a long rest, can we come back before the sun comes up? And I, you know, did a little math, figured out where they were in the year, figured, uh, yeah, autumn's starting, so yeah, you can definitely do that. Yeah, that's not a problem. Give you about an hour, all right? Uh, and they were uh, they were happy with that. Uh, I told them their setup, uh, complete setup, would take probably about a half hour plus the time to walk back because they uh, hit off in the forest. So they get back, they do the setup, they um, pre-cut some of the bridge so it's easy. Uh, I give them uh, an armor class uh, to hit. Uh, I believe it was fifteen. Um, I believe it was 15. That that seems high enough to hit. They, they found a flying carpet in there. Oh my god, they found a flying carpet. I forgot to mention that. Um, they found a flying carpet, which was perfect uh, for two small creatures. So the two small creatures in the party got on that. Both of them have bows. Uh, shooting for an armor class of 15, both of them make it. And when the driders are on the bridge, the bridge breaks. One of the driders makes his uh, athletics roll. The other one falls and takes a bunch of damage. They were about 250 feet up, which is a maximum of uh, 20d6. So they, um, tried to shoot the other side. Like, I didn't think they were going to think of it at first. They were like, oh my god, what are we going to do? We're going to have to run. Okay, we're panicking now. We're going to start running. And someone says, well, why don't we shoot the other side? Okay, round two. So again, armor class 15, they shoot it, and this one falls. This is the one that was hanging on the bridge, and uh, they asked if he could take damage when he swung and hit the wall, and I was like, sure, that he can take damage. So this one falls, and he takes more damage than the other one. So uh, the first one took about a third of its hit points in one go. The second one took um, about half its hit points in two hits. So I rule for a morale check, right? And I don't tell the players this. This is just something I do. Um, so I pick up two 20-siders and I roll them. I don't know if they saw me roll or what. Um, generally, doesn't matter. I'm not uh, I'm not into that whole uh, freak the player out with die rolls anymore. Because uh, I, I always roll dice. You know, I'm rolling dice to see what time it is, what the weather's like. Um, I, I run a van r very random game. I like it to be exciting for me as well as the players. So... Um, so I get the uh, get the morale check. They both fail. So I'm like, all right, they bail. They're out of here. Um, the the players are very excited. They go into the next room and get a bunch of treasure. Uh, now I tone the treasure down. Um, I didn't want there to be you know a ma massive amount of treasure. Um, so I I backed off. Uh, it was about 12,000 gold pieces, so I backed it off to uh, silver. I, I like to do that, just cut it down to silver. One-tenth of its worth, easy enough. I just replace SP with GP. Strike that, reverse it. Um, and, and we're good, right? And uh, they get a couple levels out of it. Uh, actually, no, they don't, because that's uh, 1,200. And they're all pushing level 4 now, which is 2,700 experience points. That is quite a bit of gold that they're going to have to get and spend. Um, but they've got they've got a, they got a handful of magic items. Um, 
a plus one bow, a plus one shield, a plus one uh, mace, basically. Uh, it was I saw this somewhere. It was a melted plus one longsword. Uh, excuse me, it wasn't plus one anymore because it, someone had tried to melt it down. Uh, now it was just a magical melted longsword. So a magical club. Bypass magic resistance. So I think they were going to go sell, sell that one. Um, and as I've stated previously, I believe I, I rigged up this whole uh, magic item buying, selling kind of thing. Or no, we use selling for from uh, Xanathar's uh, Guide to Everything. Some great downtime activities in there. Uh, but I, I rigged up this whole magic item buying thing. So we did do that at the end of the session now. Um, anyways, it was a great session. Uh, it was very exciting. Uh, intense at some points. And most of the intensity came from that, that travel rule that I instated. Uh, very, very exciting. Um, anyway, uh, that's all I've got for the recap. Uh, Colin gave me a call. Hi, Rich. It's Colin Spike Pit here. Just calling in to say I really enjoyed your last episode where you was talking about inspiration in 5e. I find it, yeah, it's a little bit weak source as written. So uh, I'm going to be re-listening to your episode probably a couple of times and uh, I'm going to take some notes. It seems you've done the research already. Um, so yeah, I'm going to take those ideas, see what I can throw into my game because it like yourself and your own group, we're pretty good at trying out new ideas in in uh, in the group I play. So, like you say, a few changes here and there, unlikely to break the game. And if it's not going how you think, you can just bin them and go back to what you was doing before. Anyway, really good episode. Keep up the good work. I'll speak to you soon. Bye, mate. Thanks for that, Colin. Um, yeah, I... Uh... I, I think it's probably too late for this now, but don't go back and listen to my episode a hundred times. Just trying to get it all. Um, I put it up at my uh, on my blog. Again, slackernerds.com. Um, just get it there. I put my travel rules up there, my inspiration up there, and I'm going to put a link to my uh, GM Binder uh, page uh, that's got all these rules on it. Um, I'm also working on some encounter tables. Uh, last night, I sat down and uh, kind of compiled. I took a look at the encounter tables in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. They are a bit disappointing. Um, they only have monster manual creatures in there. Which I thought, because it was Xanathar's, they would have Volo's Guide in there as well. They do not. So, I pulled out a couple CR... Um, or a couple of monster by terrain tables that I have floating about. Um, and I'm working Volos and Tomo Beasts into uh, th this, this new encounter table that I'm making. Um, I want these encounter tables to go hand in hand with my travel table. Um, I was thinking one encounter table per region, and the higher you go, the more difficult it is. Um, which is kind of how they work, except it's split into tiers. So I think I'm going to give the region a tier, right? Um, it's going to be based on the difficulty class. So, you know, whatever. Anyway, so I'm working on those. I will post those as well when I'm done. I have like 10 more to go, I think. I did three last night. Uh, it is uh, very time consuming and 
uh, the easiest part actually is formatting it for GM Binder. <laughs> I've got a little trick now to formatting tables. Um, somebody told me to put uh, to put pipes around something. You can uh, do it easy Excel formula. Um, if anybody wants to know what that is, uh, go ahead and leave me a message or comment on my blog, and uh, I can put it up there if I remember. If I remember, I'll just put it up there anyway. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.